We've come a long, long way together through the hard times and the good. I have to celebrate you, baby. I have to praise you like I should. <laughs> Jeremy, nobody's yeah. done that one. I know yeah. that for a fact, man. Oh, dude, Saturday morning. Thanks yeah. so much for coming on the My show pleasure. here and making the time to be a part of it. Uh, you know I'm a huge fan. Like I, I totally dug what you built and what you continue to build. And I, I appreciate it. I respect it because you're taking small. You're taking big. You're, taking, you, you're doing it for the passion of the, of the industry. Which I really, really appreciate, man. Thank so, you. Jeremy Ross from Fix It Friend is here. Uh, you've been doing it for six years. The website is www.fix-it-friend.com. That's right. That's it. And then the email is jeremy at fix-it-friend.com. And social media everywhere, you're going to find them as Fix It Friend. That's right. Follow it and you'll learn a lot of stuff. Uh, what do I actually want to mention? I just want to do a shout out to VentureX. I want to do a shout out. Uh, space is great. It's actually quiet this morning. Uh, uh, and then I also just want to let everybody know that Carlito's doing fine. He's going to return. We'll get him back on the show. I want to thank Jeremy for bringing me a tape measure. I really appreciate that. My pleasure. And uh, I love that you were saying off camera or off camera, off mic, that you actually give these to your clients at the end of the job. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So it's a nice little gesture because most clients actually don't own any tape measures. No, I mean, they, <laughs> they respond really well when we give them the tape measure. And, uh, you always need a tape measure, man. For sure. And actually, I've never used that one, so I'm hoping that actually that's going to be a good one so I can use it. Yeah, you let me know. And I, I definitely will. And, and you've given me a little, I mean, these things that you made here, which is basically a wine bottle cork and also a pen that you turn, man. Which that's is right. actually, like, what would you use in there? The pen is walnut, and I can't remember what the bottom is. It's not, it's not maple, but... It's something close to maple. I see the walnut. I'm just trying to figure out what this wood is. It's. Um, I want to say it's like beech or something like that. I could be wrong on that. Okay. No, but it actually looks really, really sharp, yeah. man. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, my pleasure. Where do you want to get started, man? We can start at the beginning. Start at the very beginning, man. How young yeah. are you again? You're 30? 30, 38. You're a young looking guy for 38, <laughs> man. Still have all the hair, so that's good. <laughs> so it's not going gray yet, man. Uh, a little bit. That might happen in your 40s. Uh, what? How long have you been in the business now? Been six years now. What were you doing before? Uh, so, I mean, I was an engineer. I worked in a couple different jobs, like more like office work. But uh, yeah, I got into the trades about six years ago. So what was it about engineering? Because I, I, I hear this a lot that you get a lot of people that get into the trades after going through the formal engineer, architect, draftsman, all that stuff. And what was it about engineering that you wanted to leave? I think the main thing is just the hands-on aspect. I really enjoy working with my hands. I really enjoy building things. And I think especially how I got into engineering was more enjoyed building things, taking things apart breaking them, sometimes putting them together, sometimes catching them on fire. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, even in high school, I took auto shop, wood shop. I just, I just like building things. Yeah. So I thought that translated into, because I was good at math and science, okay, become an engineer, like do all this stuff. I was sort of pushed in that direction, like I think a lot of kids are. Just ultimately, it wasn't the right thing for me. Like I... I like being in the field. I like doing things. How many years did you do it for? Uh, so I graduated in 07. Okay. And, uh, you know, whatever that is to six years ago. So it's a big chunk years. of time. Yeah. yeah like and what specific, on. what part of engineering were you uh, handling? 
Yeah, so I did mechanical engineering. Okay. But I, d- I worked at a mining company. I worked at a recycling company, but sort of back and forth, I was getting these jobs that were more like welding, building things, building prototypes, that kind of thing. So I kind of went back and forth. And then ultimately, I just realized like, okay, I can't. You got to get dirty. Got to get dirty. Yeah. Like, got to do some real stuff here. I can't sit in an office with like a bunch of people talking about like, whatever their families or kids like whatever shit's going on it's such a Fucking quiet TV environment shows, like yeah whatever. exactly the water cooler talk right like what the fuck yeah it's just all of a sudden okay so it's monday to friday it's almost the same thing it's almost like a clock where it just keeps on turning the exact same way yeah versus construction every day is different every minute's different yeah you, which i love yeah for uh, sure so then that okay so fix it you started Six years ago, seven That's years right. ago. Yeah. Okay. So, c- getting out of mechanic, you went straight to fix it, or you were were you working with other people first? No. So, I mean, I left the job that I was at, and I think before that, I mean, I always wanted to work for myself, but I had a lot of sort of fear of fear of failure, fear of judgment. I mean, I'd gone through schooling. I kind of felt like, oh, I need to continue in this direction. Uh, you know, there's parents, there's family, whatever. Friends and was there a lot of resistance from your circle leaving an established career going into a, an uncertain career? I mean, yes and no. Like, I, like I got downsized out of my job, so the decision was kind of made for me. It was okay. really just, what do you do next? And I think at the time I was like, oh, maybe I should just go and get another job. But eventually, especially with the encouragement of my wife, like girlfriend at the time, she was like, just do whatever the fuck you want. Like. You want to work with your hands, work with your hands. And like, I, I wish that I had the confidence earlier to just do that. But I think it took sort of like a bit of a push or almost like feeling like I had the permission somehow yeah. to, to do it. It's funny you say that because that's two in a row now that I'm hearing and speaking to you guys that there is that slight fear of, I guess, insecurity, wondering, can I actually be a part of this community? And I think that construction community embraces that. We actually want to help each other and give that advice and be supportive and be there for everybody. But I guess a lot of people that are going in don't think that. Like, I mean, like, I I get the sense that a lot of younger or people that are just getting started in the industry are nervous about approaching established tradespeople. And I guess it's that fear of saying, well, you don't know anything, so get out of here. Right. Is it that kind of mentality or is it? Yeah, man. Imposter syndrome. It's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, especially starting out. I remember I didn't come from a trades background. Like, yes, I built things. Yes, I had some jobs where I did welding or built different things, but I didn't have like a formal sort of trades education or mentorship or well i mean that's 90 percent of the construction force and that you learn afterwards yeah exactly now i know yeah you know at the time i remember when i started out my my biggest fear was oh some some real trades person was going to come and see my work and say oh like what kind of a shoemaker made that (laughs) this this guy it's it's gonna it's gonna happen it's gonna happen no matter what no matter what so yeah i think when i got started i just threw myself into it because i didn't have any formal training yeah but i think what i i did and i didn't realize i did it until later on and i paid attention to how i did certain things is I just asked the questions. I just kept on posing the scenarios. I just kept on saying, okay, I get that this is how it's been done for X amount of time, but why can't we try this? Why can't we do this? And all of a sudden you'll get the 
old dogs don't want to learn any new tricks tell you who the hell did this. And But then you'll get the younger generation or even some of the older guys saying, that's actually a pretty good idea. Never really looked at it that way. Then you start a conversation because I've had that. I've come across the older guys, the established guys, and all of a sudden you're asking all these questions and they're annoyed. It's almost like you're buzzing like a fly around them. You're like, why are you bothering me? Why yeah. you keep on asking me these questions? But then they get a glimpse of the work that you've done that you're trying to build up as a portfolio. And then all of a sudden they're like, did you do this? And you're like, yeah, I did. Oh, well, okay. All right. All right. What else you want to know? Then they start being a little more open, right? So I guess it is that little bit of a speed bump getting into the industry, having a little bit of a thick skin. So then people will say shit to you. But then you just go, well, here's some shit I can feed to you, right? And you just kind of bounce it back at them. Yeah, I think I think to what you're saying, I mean, building confidence coming from, you know, completing projects. And like you're saying, once you've done a project and you can show the old dogs, or you yeah. can show someone else, hey, like I did this. Okay, maybe it took me twice as long. Maybe I had to redo it along the way or fix things or whatever. But I still did it. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, maybe you gain some of their respect. And once you've done something and they see that you've sort of, you're not just, hey, how do I do this? And I've, I've tried nothing. I've done zero research. I'm just going and asking someone and wasting their time. Yeah. I think once you take some steps and like at least try something, it shows someone who has the experience like, hey, this person's serious. Yeah. They're trying. They're at least doing something even if they didn't do the right thing and maybe they're more ready to help you or or offer suggestions 100 percent. that's what i love about it right yeah. but yeah you are going to come across those one or two like i don't know whatever maybe five percent of the yeah. workforce that are just going to dismiss you and i'm like let it be yeah let them dismiss Fuck you. Em. it doesn't matter <laughs> but i guarantee you that if you just keep on staying the course and prove your worth and figure out problem solving construction is problem solving yeah they will come around. You don't need to go around to them. They will come around. And then they you might work with them. Listen, it's a small community. Yeah. You're going to cross paths, man. And then just go and then they might change your tune because their tune because they discover that you figured out something that they never figured out. Yeah, and and ultimately maybe at the beginning you think you need other people's approval or other people's validation or something like that, you know. Like we all have our own issues. I'm I'm no different. But like who fucking cares? Exactly. Like, who cares? Like, you did it. You're happy with it. The client's happy. They paid you. What more do you need? Just because some schmuck on IG says, oh, why did you do it like that? Oh, or that's a whole other world. Done it, whatever. <laughs> like, or even someone in person. Like, yeah. hey, I did it. It worked. Maybe you would have done it differently. That, That's nice. Maybe I'll try it. That way, another time. Exactly. Like, who knows? So, okay. So I just. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So, no, no, no. Because I, I think that the majority of people, their biggest gripe these days is that I just wish that the new guys would just show up. Yeah. Literally just show up, if not show up on time. So if you already achieve those two little skills, which are basically just very easy to achieve. Seriously. <laughs> you can ask, answer or ask and answer all kinds of questions from that point on, right? So just show your initiative, show, like you start at seven or whatever, show up 10 minutes before and then just start picking their brain, go through the work, start asking questions, go through the day. And all of a sudden they'll be very receptive. They'll want to talk to you, engage with you. And I think the old guys eventually understand that we need to pass this on. For sure. We need to hand this information off to other people because there's more of them leaving than there are coming in. And that's the biggest problem, right? So, I mean, yeah, I just wanted to... That, it's interesting yeah, that we sure. went on that tangent. But so Fix It Friend, what was the whole... 
I get what you were doing. I get why you got started, but you tell me how, how that all evolved. I mean, how far back do you want me to go? Oh, like take us. I mean, you must have had an epiphany, right? Where you're just thinking, hang on a sec. I could establish my business this way. I think growing up, I didn't even know what a handyman was. Like my, my dad's pretty handy. My grandfather's pretty handy. My uncle's like, I, I would do little things with family, like helping my uncle fix up his house and cottage, stuff like that. I, I just did stuff with family and friends. I, I just thought, okay, like this is what people do. I, I didn't even, like, I knew there were, like, real tradespeople. I didn't know that there was this sort of, like, small world of people who do sort of smaller projects and fix things around the house. When I left that job, I just was like, okay, well, I had a friend who wanted some stuff done at her office and had some other friends and stuff like that I would do some small stuff for. And the epiphany was, like, holy shit, this stuff is not that hard. You grow up with people around you who do this stuff and you think, okay, like everyone does this stuff. This is no big deal. But then you do some, you hang a picture or a TV for someone who like <laughs> doesn't know how to use a screwdriver and they're like, holy shit, this is amazing. You just saved my life. You just saved my life. And, and then you walk away with some bucks and you're like, holy shit, like this, this can actually work and th there might be something here. So... That was sort of the epiphany, and the name Fix It Friend came from one of the early people I did work for, and we were just brainstorming, like, oh, like, if you did this more, like, what would you call yourself? And I just thought, like, I want to be, like, the trusted, reliable person who comes in and kind of saves the day or takes care of something. The like, go-to. like The go-to. Yeah. Like, everyone has the friend who... Yeah is going to do the thing. Eh, sometimes they do it. Sometimes they don't do it. Sometimes it takes five months, whatever. Will they show up? Will they show up? <laughs> you know, there's always other priorities. But I, I just wanted to be like their person to take care of things. And the word started getting out? Word started getting out. I mean, one thing I'm not that great at is being organized, like the admin, the paperwork, like you talk about it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty bad at it. So You're not the only one, Jeremy. Trust <laughs> me. You're not the only one, man. So very luckily, like early on, I met someone named Jessica, who still works with me today. She's a teacher by training. She's an excellent communicator. She built all these systems. Like she built our website. She set up QuickBooks. She set up a CRM system. Nice. So like when a customer goes to our website, they fill out a form. They upload pictures. We get a sense of what the project is. And it's not like I have my hands covered in PL and I'm like on the phone like, hey, yeah. can you get there on Thursday? <laughs> no, like she's she's You've handed things. it all off to her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then you get the final, I guess, assessment trying to figure out exactly what the scope is and what's involved. And then you contribute to the pricing of it or she's... Of course. Asked? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So so the way it works now, I mean, it's kind of evolved over time, but the way it generally works, someone fills out the form on the website. They say, here's what we want to do. Here's where we are. Here's who we are. All this stuff. In the CRM, I can just... I look at these things at night. So, okay, there's John Smith, Jane Smith, whatever. They're here. They're in our area. They want this. They want that. Okay, yes, we can do it. Okay, we put a price to it. I'll update it in the CRM. She'll take that. She'll send out a QuickBooks estimate. She'll manage all the scheduling, all the back and forth, all that kind of stuff. 
Man, are there more Jessicas out there? Like, is I, there should be. <laughs> Everyone needs a Jessica. Cl- just clone her, but just. I, get I am like so protective of, of Jessica staying. Hang with on me. to that because it's all set up now. So yes. you literally just do the enjoying part where you just basically go there and take care of what you love doing. That's my right? favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't and the admin you don't want to deal with. That. No. Most contractors they they don't trade people don't want to deal with this stuff, man. No, it's it, and, and I know other solo tradespeople, and you know, shout out to them if they can make it work. Just they get texts and calls and whatever. And can you get there on Thursday? Sure. But I just know things like the wheels would fall off the bus if I was just left on my own devices to be like a guy driving around. And I love that you built this niche because the I mean, the real problem, especially in the last two years with the pandemic, is that every trace person I know. I don't want to do that. I don't want to sneak it in. I don't want to take care of that. I, you're not a part of my family photos. You're not the friend who saved my life. So it's like, I don't want to be all a part of that. So you basically, I'm sure business has been good for you for the oh, last yeah. two years, right? Because people are, have all these problems. When you, when you submit or you're engaging with future clients, are they negotiating the rates? Or are they understanding that there's value behind this? It depends. I mean, we're lucky enough at this point to have enough flow coming in where we can just set this is what we need to make you've designed a price point for certain tasks that's right yeah that's right so if they don't want us if they don't see the value they'll ghost us they'll go away yeah it kind of is what it is i get this sense i mean you correct me if i'm wrong you're walking into a homeowner let's just say it's a husband wife situation boyfriend girlfriend situation and you're coming in to fix this situation what's whatever they're asking for is the, the man of the house kind of feeling a little useless? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> For I, lack I, of a better word. Yeah, definitely. But I, I've, I, met, I've met my share of guys that are in relationships that are just like, listen, I'm completely useless. I don't know what's going on with a hammer. I don't even know anything about it. I just want to let you know that. And I'm like, okay, cool. No problem. That's why I'm here, I guess, right? But I guess you come across some of those guys. Yeah, for sure. So I, I kind of realized the way it usually works, and and I know this is sort of maybe heteronormative, but let, let, let's, okay, fine. Let, 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 let's just say. Let's just okay, be it, let, yeah. Let, let's just say there's a man and a woman. The women are so happy you're there. They're so grateful. They're just like, please, just fix it, do it, whatever. Like, It's not like a ridiculous price, but just like whatever it costs within reason, just do it, make it happen. Sometimes the guys can be, like you said, like a little standoffish or like, I don't know, almost like a little jealous that yep. that you're you're almost like satisfying something that their partner <laughs> needs that they can't like you're scratching an itch that they just can't scratch. Well, and they, like, they probably have skills and other things, right? So, so, so that so yeah. that's what I do. So yeah. my, my sort of go to line is if they say, oh, yeah, like I, I don't really know how to do this or. I mean, sometimes they'll front and say like, "Oh yeah, I could, I could do this. I just don't have the time." Or I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, don't, don't, don't worry." I just kind of let them say face. All good. Yeah. And, and I'll say something like, "Oh, you know, don't worry. I'm sure you have lots of skills that I, that I don't like. <laughs> I'm sure you're really good. You know, if they're like in finance or something, I'll say like, "Oh, I'm sure you're really great with spreadsheets. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm horrible <laughs> at that. Oh, I wish, I wish I could. You know, I try, I try to like build them up a little of bit. Of course. Did, did they come around and go and they start trying to make conversation with you about? 
about your your arsenal of tools lately? Was that the new uh, someone's? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure a, that comes across oh, too. Oh, right? yeah, I really like that one. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm a Milwaukee my guy yeah, myself. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, sure. That's great. I could totally picture all this stuff in the, inside of you. You're, you're just having a nice little chuckle as a result of it. But people are people. They're good people. Yeah. I mean, that's they, some people don't want to do it. There's been times that I'm in relationships or whatever, and I don't want to do it. I just don't. I'm not driven to get to that point. But it's gets, there's no shame. It's frustrating, and that's why I could see all the women in the relationships kind of being like, "Thank goodness you're here, man. Yeah. This has been like this for months, if not going on a year now." The the worst is if the husband tried to fix it and, oh. and fucked it up. <laughs> and you have to be very. And you delicate. have to come in now. You, you have to be very careful not to like criticize what was done. Just say like, "Oh yeah, like." You know, I know there's there's always challenges with this stuff. It's very tricky, and you know, like it, it's okay. I, I've been doing this stuff a long time, and I, I do this every day. You know, I I know how challenging that can be if if <laughs> if you don't, you know, you're not as familiar with this stuff. And I, I try to just let them save face, and so, so I mean, like you're basically, yeah, you're going in as a therapist oh, as totally. well. You have to understand. Okay, where's the problem? Where's the problem maker? Uh, yes. You know what I mean? And now here I am. I have to be a part of the problem solution, not be the problem so, you know, person handling everything. I have to be gentle with the communication of what's going on here. For sure. Yeah. And even, I mean, even like I was at a site visit yesterday with, with a solo woman. What I kind of realized is she needed to sort of come to some solutions on her own. There was like a really crappy like laid stone retaining wall. We're going to like build this metal uh, railing above it and all this stuff. And so there's this issue of busting up the stones. Where do you put the post? How many posts? How many sections? And I kind of realized instead of this is the second per, this second time I've dealt with this person. OK. So I kind of realized in the first time I was trying to tell her, OK, like I'm the expert. This is how it's done. This is where it needs to go. But she didn't respond well to that. What I did this time is I, I said, okay, well, we could do it like this. You know, these are some of the concerns I have. Do you have any ideas? Like, how, how do you think we could, what do you think? Brought we her do? into the communication And part. then she would kind of go through the same thought yeah. process. Oh, we're going to hit a tree root, this, these rocks are huge. We don't want to get a mini excavator, all this stuff. And then so we'd kind of like get to the point where we needed to be. I would just sort of guide her there by asking her questions like, oh, how do you think we should solve yeah. it? Yeah. So she she had the need to sort of like tell me how it was going to be. We still got to the same place. Of it, course. But that's what that client needed. That's what that situation needed. Yeah, you're like you're like yeah. playing psychologist. Yeah. You're like being a bit of a performer. There's like a not like an act, but like you're sort of you're dealing with people. You want them to like you. Yep. You want them to trust you. A dance going on. Is there a little bit of apprehension where i mean i wouldn't consider you a handy man as the definition of a handy man is right i would consider you more of you've got skills in almost every single trade and so is there a little apprehension coming from the clients going here's this person in my home looking at situations but he's not a professional landscaper he's not a professional drywaller he's not a pro all those kinds of different individual skills but he has knowledge of each of them so are they a little reserved to think, can you handle this? Is that scope there? Or are they thinking, no, 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 this guy's confident enough. He's kind of exuding that that uh, aura. You know what I, I mean? I think often the way it kind of plays out is, if anything, sometimes people will 
assume that we can do more than we actually can. Like people will ask us to do like a roof repair, turn a window into a door in the side of their house, you know, sometimes stuff that's just way out of our scope. Yep. I think we often have to rein it in a little bit and say, you know what, like, unfortunately that's not a job we're comfortable taking on. You know, maybe you want to get a Mason, maybe you want to get someone who deals with exterior windows and doors, stuff like that. But you're sharing the knowledge to them about next steps regarding that scope. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm trying to think of a time where someone was maybe apprehensive. Like sometimes they ask like, Hey, you know, could you do this? And sometimes it's yes. Sometimes it's no, but what I find is that people are often just very happy to find someone who will show it, up. Will show up. I mean, that's eighty percent of it. Yeah, showing up, communicating, like replying fo- back, replying, following through with an estimate. I think they're maybe more lenient on what you asked about with like how experienced you are with like doing a small masonry repair or something like that. And I think often what they're finding is because the size of the jobs are pretty small that. To get a proper mason there, it's too small of a job. It's but good luck. You'll never get you'll, you'll them to never begin get with. Them. Yeah, yeah so, I agree. So if they can get someone who at least, I guess, seems confident or has some realistic idea about how to do the job, they're pretty happy. But in those cases, like I'll usually lean on other colleagues like a mason or what, whoever it is. Yeah, you engage with other people. I mean, in my, I guess in the last few years... I've paid attention, I've stayed quieter during those kinds of conversations, and I've paid attention to watch the trades respond to certain inquiries from clients or designers or architects. And I just pay attention to how they answer the question. And there is a lot of confidence in the answering of the question, but there's also a lot of honesty in answering Mm. the question. So if they feel that I can't handle this, but I know somebody that I could speak to that will get me some solutions. I like that they're saying that, and I actually would respect that more instead of you just saying, sure, I can do it, and then not be able to do it properly. And then it kind of it takes away the confidence from the client now. And For you sure. create a bigger problem at that point. They bring in their history. They bring in their beginning. They bring in scenarios that they've come across on job sites and then they add all that information into their presentation and it sounds confident it sounds proper it sounds professional and i think it puts the clients at ease at that point you've got a vast array of that because you've come across all kinds of different situations but you also have colleagues too that, yeah. like you just said that you can just relate to go listen i got the scenario i still do that today of course i will like if i come across something and all of a sudden i go you know what i just wanted to get a second opinion I wanted to get your thoughts. This is the scenario. What do you think? It's like a two-minute phone call. It's even yeah. a text. You know what I mean? And you can reach out to somebody that you've met or worked with in the industry and just go, this is a situation. How would you handle that? I just had that the other day. Someone asked me about something. I was like, I would do it this way, but do yourself a favor. Reach out to this person and just ask him. Double check. If we both have the same answer, then by all means, go that route. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I agree with you, man. And and sometimes, and maybe maybe this is me sort of, oversharing with a client or something. Sometimes I'll say, if it's something I'm, I think we can do, but I'm not sure. Sometimes I'll say, you know what? I have some colleagues who do this stuff all the time. They only do bigger jobs. This would be too small of a job for them. Yeah. Let me check with them. Let me see what kind, what kind of things they recommend. If I think I can do it. Well, I'll get back to you either way, but let me check with someone who's, and I'll kind of position them as, let me check with the expert. They wouldn't otherwise doing this, but I can do this with some of their guidance or mentorship or something. And that's actually really cool because it helps out the clients. 
Yes. Because they know that there's the construction community and then there's the client community, right? Mm -hmm. And the client community is never really privy to conversations in the construction community. But somebody that's in the construction industry could actually reach out to a bunch of other people and get that answer versus a client, most contractors, tradespeople, anybody, like, why are you bothering me? Why yeah, what are they going to do? Send 100 requests on Homestar? Nobody's going to answer them. Yeah, yeah. They're just going to dismiss them, yeah. right? But if you're kind of the go-to between, and they're very grateful at that point because now not only have you come into their house, you're looking at the problems, you're coming up with solutions, and then you're letting them into the community so you can get the answers for them, then they're put at ease. That's basically just your advertising right there. That's word of mouth because people will start sharing that information saying, Give Jeremy a call, man, because the guy actually connected me to so many other people and got stuff done, which is great. That, that's all they want. I mean, they, they just want to get stuff done. And where they really like us and where we shine is when there's a bunch of smaller things, like there could be like a drywall repair, a little masonry thing outside, uh, some caulking, some painting, some trim carpentry, like a bunch of different things, maybe changing a faucet. They have this big list. Their partner maybe <laughs> tried it, maybe didn't try it, maybe said they were going to do it for two years. There's always a list, right? There's always a list. Yeah. And, and and they're just happy, like, okay, here's my list. Just take care of it. Like, let me know when it's done. I think that works pretty well. I don't even think we got into the whole nitty gritty of how sure. it all got started and how it went. But I know that I can only imagine your van. You've got an arsenal, a bunch of everything ready to kind of go. Is that how it, you've set it all up? Yeah, so the van has a bunch of shelving that a friend and I built, like all like Baltic birch with some pullouts and stuff like that. Nice. And um, I, I keep a wide variety of tools in the van, but I also have a separate workshop space where I store other tools that you know I wouldn't use as often, like a paint sprayer or yep. something like that. You know, bags of mud, just the stuff that you don't use every day. But I try to keep stuff in the van, like a good selection of screws, tap cons, like. All that kind of stuff. Just just in case something comes up, you're there, you have what you need. We bring the hardware store to the job. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Based uh, on the scope. So as soon as you start yeah. seeing the work order, what's going on, this is what I'm going to bring. Yeah, I'll load up in the morning. So if there's like specialized things, I'll load my van in the morning. We try to buy stuff in advance as much as possible. Are you by yourself? I'm by myself. I have had some colleagues. We are actively hiring one or two people right now. Okay. Um, up until recently, I did have someone who was full-time working with me. Yeah. Uh, who ended up going off on their own. So props to them. Which is great. Which is fine. Left so, on great terms. Everything's yeah, fine. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, I, I encourage all the people, anybody who's going to do that, just leave on good terms, man. It's kind of inevitable. I mean, when someone has a lot of skills and they're good with clients, I mean, and they have that drive. I mean, if they have the drive, like they have the drive. Why not? Like, why not? Yeah. And maybe we collaborate on future jobs. You bring them in as a sub, whatever it is. But yeah, so right now it's mainly me, but we are actively recruiting. Yeah, because I can only imagine that it's going to get a lot more busier and then all of a sudden you're going to need two hands, I guess, on the same scope. Or I guess it becomes a two-day scope or whatever it is, right? So, I mean... For sure. Or if there's, like, a really tall ladder, like... Yeah. I can think of a job we did not too long ago where we had to change 100 light bulbs in this church. The ceilings are, like, 25 feet tall. Oh. I had my 32-foot ladder, like, <laughs> maxed out and, like, way up in the air. But you really need someone at the bottom of the ladder just to hold the ladder. Just so, in case, yeah. Yeah, so sometimes you need two people. And, like, we're not we're not on, like, large job sites where there's always someone to 
take half or hold the ladder or whatever. So yeah, sometimes you need two people, but also there's just so many, I, I don't mean to make it sound, sound like we're overrun with work because it, it ebbs and flows, but sometimes there's just lots of jobs like in spring for me to get to all of them, people would be waiting way too long. Yeah. So it would be nice to have that second body. Totally. There. Totally. Right. But I guess when you get into those scenarios, that's where the, the engineering comes in, where you start trying to figure out how do I do this with a one person task? Right. Like, and you try to say, okay, yeah, it could work, could work, but it'd be a lot easier if there was a second body here. For sure. <laughs> even, I mean, I know I'm not that old, but even sometimes just carrying all the shit in, yeah, carrying all the shit out. It's, it's a just, toll, man. You get to the end, it's like 7 PM. You're like ending your job and you're like, Man, now I gotta carry all this shit out of here and pack it up. And so you're basically, Jeremy, you're just learning as you're going, yes. or yeah, you're just picking it up as you go. When I started, I had some basic skills. I mean, I knew how to use some basic tools. I had, you know, taken shop class and stuff like that. I'd taken some welding classes. I learned from YouTube. Yep. I learned from watching others. I talked to other tradespeople. I have a couple of mentors. My woodworking teacher, who I do the wood turning with, and nice. a guy who fixes kitchen cabinets, kitchen fix. You should you should have him on. He's, wow, he's a really yeah. smart okay. Guy. So all the cabinets that are kind of falling apart, he can actually fix them instead of having to renovate the whole thing. Totally, really replacing yeah. hinges, replacing slides, building new drawers, and and so he's he's like my dad's age. So he's passing on the knowledge very freely, very generously. I just soak it up anytime I get to spend a bit of time with him or if I run into something, I just call him and ask him, "Hey, like what do you think? You know, how would you do this? Oh, you want to use this hinge and nice. use this thing and okay, but when you do it, do it like this, don't do it like that." Like it's very te- I-, I like kitchen cabinets. Like it's very technical sort of I don't know, like the engineer in me like yeah. really likes it. It's very like very finicky. So the hardware itself, the the, the mechanical aspects of adjusting it, it adjusting. setting it up, yeah. like and like we do a lot of work in condos and stuff like that. And so stuff can be really thrown together. So drawer gets pulled out, a door gets pulled off, you know, the flip ups with the gas struts, stuff like that. So it just it's not built with the best hardware often. Uh, generally towards the end of relationship breakups. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, the, whenever I see a, a hollow core door with a big like oh. fist-sized hole in it, I'm always like, whoa. What? Like, I, like, uh, I don't even want to know. Uh, okay, like, all they're right. just like, hey, can you, can you replace this door? Like, yes, sure. I, I, okay. I don't want to know what happened. That's actually the shape of a foot. Okay, all right, no problem. Yeah, the shape of a butt? Like, what? Like, what happened? Uh, I was. I totally forgot. Oh, Arsenal. So, what are you? Are you? You're Milwaukee guy. Mainly Milwaukee. Okay. I can assume because of the storage packout kind. Okay, packouts for sure. Okay, that's what I figured. Packouts. Like I love like the slim organizers, the different sizes. I've invested heavily in packouts, and I kind of when I customize my van, it's all built around standard size packouts. Yeah. So even if you take one from here, it's like Lego. You can just swap them around. Yeah, I have a bunch of Milwaukee. I have some DeWalt, like the the cordless nailers. Some Hilt. Carlito would love it. I have some <laughs> some twelve bolt Hilti drills. You got Hilties, huh? I got some the, the wow. little ones. They're, they're not that expensive. Uh, okay. Um, I recently got a little bit of Festool used off my my teacher. I got a Domino. Nice. And one of the little like drill drivers. Yep. Yeah, just like bit of Makita, like the the cordless multi tool drywall yep. gun. Whatever By, works. Yeah. Whatever is good. Like, yes, you get locked into a battery platform, but if it's better, 
then big deal. You buy a couple batteries. Like uh, I'm in this for the long haul. Like yep. I'm not just a weekend warrior. So I want to buy something that's good. That's going to last. And I don't really care what color it is just as long as it works basically. Where do you want to take the business now? Do you see yourself several vans kind of idea or is that just going to be a little overwhelming for you? I mean, it's overwhelming to think about for yeah. sure. Um, have you thought about it? Have for you sure. S- okay, yeah. I, I think definitely the multivan concept. I mean, that's that's you've the way established to go. the brand, so the brand's working. People yep. recognize it. I see it on the road, and and I'm like, so I can only assume that you're that's the next evolution. But are you ready for that? Or that's that's more Jessica's. You know what I mean? Or for sure. more on Jessica's plate is what it is. So I, I think Jessica and I collaborate really well together, and coming up with like the processes and systems. So I think. Right now, we're in a, a point where things are working. They work with one person. We know they can work with two people to keep two people busy. And a lot of the work is just a one-person job. So like you said, there are jobs where there are two people. So it's nice to at least have two people. But I can see you know, two, three, five people, five vans on the road in the future. Not immediately. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the near term, I'd like to hire one or two people, you know, maybe one more experienced person, one apprentice. Like I would, I would like to take on someone who is newer and kind of teach them what I've learned in six years. I'm not yeah. that experienced. But. I could see the young guys and girls out there embracing this because it gives you a variety of a, a whole dynamic of the industry, right? Where you get to basically it's problem solving on a yep. daily basis. So I think that younger people are more hungry for that instead of coming in. I could be wrong, but I guess coming in and just punching the clock and doing the exact same task every single day. Totally. Right. But I think that the younger guys and girls would be more interested in, in like, okay, what are we doing today? What's on the menu today? For sure. Right. And then they figure it out. And then all of a sudden the van is set up and you go and you take care of it. And then you're like, you feel accomplishing. Like you're at the end of the day, you're like, okay, client's super happy. We took care of it. And now we're on to the next one, right? Yeah, that's something I really like about it. Like you get a feeling of satisfaction and there's like a quick turnaround on projects. You're in, you do something, you're out. Maybe it's a couple hours, maybe it's a day. And yeah, I think the variety is good. I don't know. Like I don't really know the union route or the sort of like solo trades route if you're doing an apprenticeship. Like I, I just don't know that world. But I know that for me... I would get bored doing the same thing all the time. Yeah. Like props to those people who become really, really good at what they do. And I'm nowhere near as good as they are. I'm okay at a lot of things. I'm good at solving problems. I'm good at sort of like figuring things out and coming up with ideas. But I see the handyman trade or world as being just a great, it's just something I didn't really know about when I started. But yeah, I mean, if I was young, if I liked variety, I liked solving problems, and I didn't want to necessarily do the same trade day in and day out, yeah, it would be it would be really exciting, like you said, like what's on the menu for today? Yeah. What are we yeah. gonna eat today? Like, well, that's that's construction. That's how it is. But I mean, um, what what are clients asking you? Like, what's the majority of things that are on the list that you kind of see all the time? Repetitive actions, even things like mounting TVs or. Um, doing drywall repairs, caulking, changing out a faucet, sink, toilet. Um, so the house just basically aging, being used or abused, and things coming up. So we're based in Cabbage Town. There's a lot of old houses down there. There's a lot of just 
old woodwork that needs to be fixed, like exterior woodwork, stuff like that. Things just break. I mean, like plaster will let go. Yep. Any kind of small thing in the house that just, it's kind of too small to get like a full-on renovator or a crew in. They, they just need it done kind of thing. But you so, don't want to be that. You're, you're not taking the business to be that full-scale renovator all of a no. sudden. That's a different business at totally. that point, right? Yeah, we, we don't do full-on renovations. I mean, I, I think for my personality, I'm not great at the admin, the project management, the paper side. So it can be a little overwhelming taking on a really big project. So on the smaller side, yeah, we'll do those sort of home maintenance things. But we also get to do some custom things like... We made a secret door, like a bookcase secret door a little while nice. ago. Yeah. We've done a couple Lego walls. We've done some custom gates and railings. When you say Lego wall, what do you mean? You're actually getting the sheets and you're mounting it. You got to take yeah. the sheets, like lick them and stick them on the wall. Yeah, it's like yeah, tiling, yeah. basically. I've, I've built uh, for my nephew way back when he was really young. Uh, he actually, he was bugging me because he went to Toys R Us, whatever, and he saw their version of a Lego table. Yes. And, and, I, and I just said, well... That doesn't work for me. So then I ended up building one for him. And all I did was I built a trough around like a, a table size. Yeah. And then I, I built a trough and then I put all the sticky sheets. And then I said, here, put all the pieces in the trough and build whatever you want to build. And he's like, this is perfect. That's amazing. And he didn't want to get rid of it. He wanted to keep it. He still has it. And That's I'm cool. like, yeah, so it's kind of cool that you're putting it on the wall and then just put it on. And yeah. I never thought of a wall. The wall makes kind of sense, man. It, it came from the clients, like two, yeah. two separate clients. One was a university residence. One was an office, like a, like a tech office. Yeah. And I don't know. That's what they wanted. So I was like, yeah, of course we can do that. <laughs> so like sometimes these things just come up. The secret door, the client, they had sort of an idea of what they wanted. Like, here's the space. Here's kind of where I want it to be. But then there's like the whole, like the engineering, the How figuring do you out, build it. How do you do this? And yeah. like, sometimes, I think sometimes I'll take on projects, not exactly knowing how I'm going to get to the solution. But that's kind of the fun of it, like the yeah. problem solving. Like yeah. you figure it out as you go. You you make design changes as you go, and you it comes out. Like you you get it done eventually. I think back to something that you brought up uh, in a recent podcast: the passion versus profit. Like oh yeah, okay. everybody's been asking me about that. Okay, drywall, <laughs> like all these sort of like more basic things. Profit, like of course, straight up. You do it. You learn that's how to the do task. It. The task. Do it. Get yeah. it done. These ones are more the passion. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you okay, they take twice as long as you think they're going to take. You don't make as much money. We don't lose. You we gain an experience. We gain a knowledge. We we build up a portfolio. We're still a very young company, so it's exciting. So that feeds the sort of passion. I think if I was just just doing the profit drywall whatever the sort of standard things all the time or like I have other handyman colleagues who are more doing like ikea assembly basic drywall repairs stuff like that like i don't think that would hold my interest yeah you lose it real so quick. yeah i think i'm fortunate that clients tend to ask us for some weird and wacky things from time to time and i just yeah i'm just like i want to take it You're on up for I the want, challenge i want to figure it out yeah. yeah i've always tried to compare it to all the craziness or the money being spent, I guess, in high performance racing, Formula One or MotoGP. 
how it's just insane how much engineering or creativity or skill goes into those vehicles. And you're wondering, how is that profitable? What's the reasoning behind all that stuff? But then you quickly realize that those ideas get filtered down to the mainstream. So it's almost the same thing in construction. When you tackle a Lego wall, you tackle a hidden door, you tackle something that's passionate and interesting, those ideas are going to get transferred to something in the future that's going to be more mainstream. And that's what sure. you're doing. You're, you're kind of investing in the knowledge to figure it out then that's going to get used during another situation where it's mainstream at that point. That's how I look at it, right? So that's where the price, yeah, I totally passion For versus sure. the price, right? Yeah. And I think one of the tough things that we face, uh, maybe for you as well, is client comes to you, they want a thing, they want it to be a certain way. We are literally building a prototype. Of we course. are building one of one. And we're not like opening a huge factory where we're going to like build the prototype and then we have this whole team, we're going to refine it, put it into production. No, we're literally like committing to a price usually. How am I even going to do this? I have no idea how I'm going to do this. Give them a price. I think this is what it's going to be. And we're building a prototype and kind of hoping for the best. So yeah. uh, I think those kind of projects have to be more driven by passion. It's not, that's the only way they, it's gonna, not like a biz. It's not like an MBA business no. decision. It's like, but I bet you this would be cool. There's that same you're, There's another Jeremy in another city and another city all over the world coming across that one thing that's being built for the very first time in that community, that area. Right. So it's just, but, but in your circle, you're thinking, yeah, this is a one-off. It's a prototype. I totally agree with you on that, man. Like, yeah, but I, and then clients have to kind of balance okay, they're asking for this much to pull this off, but this task is literally custom, custom. First, we don't know. Like, who knows? Nobody knows. <laughs> we're, we're just taking our knowledge and our skill set. We're applying it to it based on that. It should work. And then we'll give ourselves X amount of hours to make it happen. Hopefully, we don't go over. Most of the time, if it's a passionate thing, you'll go over a of tiny course. bit. But you got to weigh the knowledge that you just gained from solving that to the knowledge of, you know, like not doing it and just focusing on the price. That's the thing, like even thinking about the secret door where it basically took me double as long as I thought it would take. I mean, also, like, what do I know? I'm, I'm looking at this and I think I'm overly optimistic sometimes. You gain the knowledge. Yes. Will someone else ask you for a secret door? Maybe, maybe not. But I think it helps build the portfolio. Someone sees, oh, these people can build a secret door. So I have this other feature wall or this other like similar thing and like, when we post it on IG, like it's also just to sort of spark an idea for someone. Yeah. They see that they're like, oh, these people can do this. Maybe they could do that. Or I didn't even know this was possible or I didn't know people did that. Oh, yeah. Like it, it sort of gives them some ideas. Maybe. Are you getting a lot of clients asking for things for children, for their kids? Right. Because I could see a lot of that going on, but it would be interesting uh, to let the parents just let the kids I want this. I've had that come across sometimes where the kids just their eyes are a thousand times bigger than what's possible or what's affordable. Uh, so I can only imagine that you probably came across that as well, where kids are asking certain things. I mean, the moment you show them a Lego wall, you show them a hidden door, the kids wheels will start spinning and they're like, you know, mom, dad, whatever. Like, I want that. I'm curious about that. Can we get that? Yeah, I haven't I haven't really had kids involved in the sort of design process or coming up with things, but I can think of a job we did in Cabbage Town where it was a kid's bedroom and it was in sort of like an attic. Uh, nice sized bedroom, but 
there were these existing built-ins that were more around like toy storage. Kid was growing up, they're going to school. They, they really needed like a desk and some shelves and stuff like that. So the client hired us to sort of remove what was there. And then in these nooks, like one was sort of under sort of like an angled part of the roof, yeah. like, you know, build a desk, build these shelves, sort of like custom to these sort of nooks. So I guess it was for the kid, it was for the kid's room. The mom sort of had some ideas of, about what she wanted, but we worked together and kind of came up with nice. what it was sort of for the kid as they matured, like they needed, di they had different needs basically. Yeah, yeah. They had done a renovation maybe 10 years ago. And so it's a nice a little collaborative effort eh? yeah. with the clients and trying to figure out and then also thinking about the future, figuring out, okay, so how long is this going to last or how am I going to modify this when things change in the household? I, I like kind of like I dig that. I want to ask you, Jeremy, what kind of hinges did you end up using for the hidden door? For the hidden door, so the way we did it is we used a piano hinge. Okay. Picture it was sort of like a curved bookcase on the front, but wedge shaped in the it's sort of yeah, a round. I, re I remember seeing it. Oh, you it. saw it. Okay. I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. So piano hinge. I just want to share it to somebody else. That, like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. listening. I'm not, I'm not following you, but yeah, totally. Yeah. So piano hinge, and then actually the whole thing sat on casters, so. The piano hinge didn't really have to take much weight. It just sort of gave a pivot point. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it worked pretty well. It worked well. out beautifully. Yeah. And, and I'm telling you, clients love all this stuff. I've done the hidden rooms before. I've nice. done the hidden little, you, know, you try to figure out how, okay, how do you open it up? I guess the whole objective at that time is you try to figure out how you can hide it as best as possible. And then how do you open it? Right. Without anybody knowing how you open it without the standard doorknob and the doorknob height. You try to figure out other ways how to do that. And clients think you just solved your problems. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> Which I love it. It's, it's great. great. Like, how did you come up with that? Well, that's our secret, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think something I'm really passionate about is I feel like I kind of got pushed or I thought I thought university was the path. I was good with my hands in high school. I was like always building bikes and you know, I had this entrepreneurial drive. I was like selling bike parts and buying stuff. I see now how that sort of translated to Fix It Friend and kind of what I'm doing now. But I think there was this, I, I felt like from a young age, there was a path and I was supposed to go to university. And I think it's bullshit. Like I, I, I'm glad that I went, I learned a lot. I met good people, but hey, like I ended up here. And if I would have started doing this, you know, 20 years ago, I might, might have been in a different spot. But you can't always look True. back, right? True. I mean, everybody knows that certain things happen for certain reasons, and then you meet certain people. So, I mean, I, before construction, I was in the film and TV business, but I mean, I took a lot of what I learned from there, and I brought it here, and then I still engage with a lot of people from that industry. Everybody that you met, everybody I've met in construction has contributed to my path. That's true. You know what I mean? So they've motivated me to go certain ways. And I appreciate that. And I respect that a lot. And I also love that. And in, in, I think I call it a cast of characters. Like there's such a uh, an eclectic cast of characters in this industry that I don't think you find in another industry. I think if you're in an office environment, it's kind of the same. I'm not downsizing it, but sure. it's very similar people. Right. But in construction, you could have the immigrant, you could have the young guy, you could have the hot shot, you could have the old crusty, you could have all those people, and there's a common thread. 
You know what I mean? But I think that you can go down your path, go one way, but then you end up here. And this gives you an opportunity to go through so many other options out there. Like a lot of people can just cross over and try this and move that. You don't know what might happen. Someone might come along and want to be a part of Fix It Friend, take a Fix It Friend and take it to a different level or even expand it or maybe even in the future have a renovation side of it where it's like, you know, you get more, the bigger, the slightly bigger projects, right? Because I'm sure you'll come across clients that will say, oh, I really wish you could do that because I get along with you so well. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing with clients. They just love, first of all, finding the right person and engaging with that right person and having a connection with that right person. They like, that's huge yes. and valuable. Like they were like, Oh, thank goodness. I found you. Thank goodness. I found you. I don't want to let go of you at all. Don't tell my they husband. They want you right? to do everything. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Don't, don't tell my husband. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that, so you never know. Like I, I get that a lot of people have gone to school. A lot of people have started careers in other industries, spent a lot of money, had said goodbye to that salary to try construction, try this. And it's less money, but it's more passion. And you just, you move forward because you're paying attention to what you truly love. True. You don't move forward if you're just punching the clock. You can, you'll just move really slow and you'll be at a, almost like a flat line for the rest of your life. If that's what you want, by all means, take it. But if there's a passion that you're more driven, that you want to create, that you want to build, and you've got all these tools that you can do it. I mean, sometimes, Jeremy, I, I look at my garage and I look at the tools that I have and I'm like... You can pretty much build almost anything. Seriously. The, the arsenal that an average person in this industry has, if you've got the creativity and you connect it with the tools that you do have, or you know people that have other tools that you don't have and you can borrow it, what can you build? Like there's so much that you can do. It's endless. That's what I love about it. It's great. Seriously. <laughs> and, and so, I mean, another thing I, I don't think I mentioned is about a year into Fix It Friend, I was working out of a garage. I had a storage unit, but I really wanted a workshop. Since I was a kid, I always wanted a workshop. Every one of us seriously wants one. That's the holy grail. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I live in Regent Park. Nearby, there was this sort of abandoned or vacant, like large industrial building between two houses. I just, I became obsessed with this place. I went online. I, I eventually found the owner. We were able to work at a deal to lease it. He just, he's just another contractor in, in the end. So we got along really well. Okay. He just owns it as like a family investment thing. He did, bought it, didn't really know what he was going to do with it. I was able to make a deal with him where I would lease it. And my idea was, okay, I want a workshop, but this place is huge. 6,000 square feet, two floors. Oh, that's nice. It was all open. Okay, imagine the <laughs> no, workshop. No, 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 it's nice, Come but on, I, right? I get it, I get it. Uh, yeah. So like, okay, I couldn't afford this place all by myself, so split it up into 11 units, like all self-contained, did like a whole renovation, two bathrooms, a kitchen, just like basic stuff, just basically a co-working space for makers, people who make stuff, people who design stuff, people who wouldn't fit into like, and basically pe people like us. Yeah. So yeah. you're not just setting up your laptop in an office, no offense, if that's your thing, go ahead, program your computer. But Lockdown. these are people who need a space to, I don't know, do things like build surfboards or yeah. set up a private hair salon or an actor self-tape studio, piano studio, like different artists. Like. Has he filled it all up with a bunch of, is it all full now or? So the kind of deal that we did was I leased the whole building. I committed long-term to pay him a certain amount. And then I funded the renovation 
I split it up and I operate the building. I lease it out. It's been mostly at capacity for the last four and a half years. That's awesome, man. It's incredible. I love it. So you got 11 tenants in there or how many? Yeah. So 10 tenants and then I have a workshop. It's like, it's, I have the equivalent of like a three car garage. Two, three car garage. But you could also pick each other's brains too, right? Yes. So it's like you wonder who else is nearby and what they're doing. And then what they're wondering what you're doing. And thousand percent. I love that. That's amazing. When I built this, uh, I built this arcade cabinet for a student residence nearby. I was working on some designs, but this fashion designer who's been there kind of since the beginning, you know, he, he takes an interest in what I do. I take an interest in what he does. We've helped each other with projects in different ways. So, like, he really helped with coming up with the graphics for the the arcade cabinet. So, we wanted to, like, reference PlayStation and Xbox without infringing on copyright because <laughs> it's in, like, sort of a public space. Yeah. And people are gonna He's, like, a super creative guy. So, yeah, we were able to help each other. And, like, I remember there was a time he was... He was making these shoes. He took these like high-heeled shoes, but he wanted to use skateboard trucks for the heels. Okay. So we like cut them apart and like welded some shit and like modified. <laughs> them. It's cool. Like it's just. What's it, his hat? Is he on? He's on social. He's got to be on. Yeah. What's? Do you know what his handle is? I think it's Andrew Suchik. Okay. I, I can. I'd love I, to take a look at some of the work, man. That's like I does, love that creativity, man. He sews all of his own stuff. He's super creative. So it's him and like some sewing machines and he just makes all kinds of cool stuff. How did the heels turn out? Cool. Uh, he uh, did. They were just for a fashion show. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, like in the film industry, sometimes you just, you make something just as a prop. You just, just sparked the conversation, man. We just talk. We just yeah. like, like our version of water cooler conversation is like, Hey, what are you working on? <laughs> hey, let me show you this. I know, hey, I, I know. got this going on. Like, Oh, have you thought of this and this? Or have you tried this and that? Like, and someone so, will always do the drive-by thought. They'll be like, walking by and they'll look at it and go, uh, have you guys thought about that? And they're like, and no, like, no, of course not. <laughs> but, but it's great. Like yeah. now we have, we have a product designer who just moved in. He just got a small CNC and he teaches product design at, I think, Humber. Uh, we've got a guy who makes electric surfboards, if you can believe it. What do you mean electric surfboards? I don't know. I haven't seen these things. I haven't seen a finished one yet, but it's like a small surfboard, like maybe six feet so long. So it's a boat, basically. It's, a- it's got a little like motor or something in it. I don't know. He said, so you he, said don't he sold to, you, a bunch of these. You things. don't need to paddle. Like I guess it's. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I want to try one of these things. I love it. I love that you've and you've created this community. I love that you built this like the building and got these people together. And now it's great. Uh, that's amazing, man. It, it just it feels so good. Like yes, I know there's co-working spaces in the city. There's places for people who do more freelance office work, but. I was frustrated not being able to find a place where I could have a workshop. And we know downtown's expensive. Yeah. The only kind of way I could make it work was this sort of shared model, like splitting it up into enough smaller units that we can all afford to be there. Yep. And we can make it work with the costs and everything. And it's it's turned into a really nice community. And when time. did you start that? Four and a half years ago. Wow. So it's it's been like a nice little side project, and we are like we are like looking for another location. Wow, it's, it's tough to find. And Do the West End, man. I would love to. Like I, I there was something similar in the Junction. I don't okay. know if you remember way. Well, 
uh, Urban Products, Stephen, I can't remember his last name. He, he designed these tiles. He was doing these uh, um, wood tiles or concrete or plaster. They were like eight by eight inch tiles that had a little scoop in them. Okay. And he had a really nice business. He expanded. He was in a kind of communal workshop area in the junction. And uh, I, I was following him for the longest time and he was doing really well. And then all of a sudden, I guess maybe about a year and a half before the pandemic, the business just changed. He was, he was tendering a lot of stuff. A lot of companies were asking for his product. Then they just kind of put a hold on all the POs, and then he he basically had a huge workforce. He had, I think, at some point, ten people working wow. for him, creating these walnut products. Like they're all different species of, of wood that oh, he was nice. making them in. He was making them in concrete. He was making them in different plaster, and it was really cool. And he was working on different three D elements. And all of a sudden, the business just stopped, and he had to fold. And as far as I know, that little area there kind of all folded up, like oh, it really? just dried up. And it was it's right at. Um, I'm trying to think of exactly where it's at. Perth. I think it's Perth and Dundas area. It was just behind that. Totally like an industrial area. And it was almost like a garage door for every single unit. You just go in there and you had a small space. And he had his all of his tools there. And it was uh, he actually just had to close up. He was, had to lay everybody off. Wow. Had to close up. And he ended up moving to BC. And he was just living in the wilderness working on cabins. And amazing craftsperson. Like totally awesome. amazing. But I mean... Do it in the West End, Jeremy. Honestly, that's man. a good idea. Everybody would kind of embrace that, man. I mean, like, yeah, like there's so many. This example, I mean, there's so many small businesses, people who make things, people who don't, people like us, like they don't fit into a typical office environment. No, no. They just need a small space to work out of. And like, when I look for garages, you're lucky if there's one shitty light bulb, <laughs> one maybe one circuit. I know, I know. Like you can't even run a table saw and a vacuum at the same time. Break it all the time. Break yeah. it, whatever. So, and there's no heat. There's like, there just weren't spaces. Yes, you can rent a storage unit if you just want to store your tools. Like I think a lot of contractors do that. But let's say you want to just like fix something or make something. Like you want to make one door for a cabinet. Like, what are you going to do? Like, You just want to build something. And like, you never know. Someone might want to buy it. Yeah. And then you can produce it again. And you yeah. actually make a product out of it. And you created a side hustle from just your space. I, I totally understand. Totally. Like that, that environment will drive that drive that passion, right? Yeah. And then like we were saying, like having that community around, like, it's just amazing. When you're there toiling by yourself, you're struggling with this project. Maybe you don't know the next step or... Like with the secret door, I mean, like, yes, I showed all kinds of tenants and they had different ideas and stuff like that. I don't know everything. I'm just trying to figure stuff out. Yeah. And it's nice to have that community. <laughs> I never even knew that about it. Like that, you had that yeah, space. Yeah, I'll give or, you a tour sometime. No, I totally, I'd love to pass by and check it out. Yeah. I actually meet the other tenants as well, too, and just chat with them. Because I actually loved passing by Urban Products and talking to Steven and just getting a sense of everything. Because I... Very respectful. Anybody can kind of pull that off. But it's tough during certain economical times to keep that passion driven, just going, moving, 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 because it takes longer. It's not yep. a manufacturing process where it's literally one off. I'm respectful of a lot of people that are on IG or social media and they're doing insane pieces of woodworking. And I follow quite a few pages and I'm just like the amount of work and effort that's attached to everything like that, that you wish don't ever just go mass manufactured on this because it will lose so much of course it'll get value engineered to death yeah and 
Yeah. Like, it's like when you see a concept car, you're like, holy shit, that's amazing. <laughs> and then you see the production, you're like, what, happened? what a fucking piece of shit. Like, what, what is happened? This? Who got involved here, yeah. man? Shoot them the, all. The I bean know. counters. I know. That's the exactly what it is. All the accounts came in and just changed everything. Yeah. From the that engineers point. are like, this would be so cool. We got this from F1. Like, <laughs> we're going to do all this cool shit. And then the accounts are like, no, no, no. Get, get rid of all that. Yeah. We're, we're not yeah. going to make any we money. We can't do that. that. We Passion can't do versus profit. I know. For sure. It's, it's funny how that, but I guess in construction, we have more say in it we can drive that keep it going right but as long as and that's what i I mean as much as i dislike toronto for certain things i love toronto because homeowners and clients embrace that Mm. they actually are are proud of the fact of seeing something that was made down the street in another area of the city a different like whatever the leslieville junction all these little pockets and people have come up with ways of building certain things and now you see that product in a store like a one-off store and you're like going that's amazing that that was made right here in toronto that was made right here in that shop i know that guy that did that people eat that shit up i love it i yeah. love it totally love it right <laughs> that's funny how we got onto that tangent yeah, there man okay. so i mean what else is going to happen with fix it friend now i think in the next few months we'll hire someone i'm i'm actively recruiting actively looking for a solid second tradesperson. We have some interviews set up, so we'll see how it goes. Yep. Again, I, I would like to take on maybe one apprentice and see where that goes. I don't know. We've grown pretty slow. Like, I'm not trying to... This is not like a startup where we're trying to, like, grow to a 1,000 people in two years. Like, yeah. we just take it job by job. We're learning as we go. It's all word of mouth? Are you guys not advertising anywhere else? Or So we don't, we don't do any paid advertising one thing we did that has helped us a lot is we've built up our website with a bunch of content. So a lot of our stuff is very like, it's just Jessica and I, we figure it out together. So I'll think, okay, what are people likely to look up? Yes, they might search Handyman Toronto, but they are probably going to say my problem, my location, leaking toilet, downtown Toronto, fix my leaking toilet. So I'll like write a little article about like, oh, you know, when a toilet's leaking, you know, maybe it's the flapper valve, maybe we have to change the fill valve. You know, these are some of the issues. And just writing those little articles long ago, along with getting Google reviews, like we don't want Homestars, we don't want Yelp, like none of that shit. We just want Google reviews. That seems to push us up. So when people search for something, they find us. It plants a seed. Yeah, plants a seed and we we show up higher in the results, but we don't do like SEO or SAM. We don't do any like online ads, anything like that. I don't think you need to. I don't think so. I don't think, I think we're a small business. Yeah, I I agree that the reviews work. I don't think Homestars or Yelp or, and I'm still surprised that Yelp, Yellow Pages is still around and this century they, they call you they're like hey you need to i don't get it do a featured profile like, like the only thing that your thing was useful for was beating up prisoners i guess you know what yeah. i mean without bruises but that's Seriously. All <laughs> like but i mean I, I think the google works that that totally and i think it's word of mouth and i think you're right about i've been noticing uh, a trend with with blogging and sharing words and i don't know if you're familiar with substack I've heard it. I don't know what it is. It's a platform strictly for writing, for blogging. But I also, I, I'm on there. I just got started on there. And I've actually been writing blogs based on all the shows. And nice. then I, th- I throw a, a thousand word blog on there and certain key ideas that are shared on the shows. And then I'm trying to get people to read it and look at it and engage with it. Right. So it works. So if you do this, sure. if, you, if you plant them on the website, then automatically people will read and they'll go, you know what? That's my problem. 
lots of people have the same problem when it comes yep. to homes falling apart, right? Or breaking down or, or relationships ends and all of a sudden things happen. So it's like, it's smart to do that because then you're basically speaking right to your potential future clients. Yeah. And, and along with what you're saying, when I write these articles, yes, I'm trying to use some keywords like with the toilet thing, but I'm really just trying to write in an accessible way as if I was explaining to a customer, this is how we would solve your problem. This is what the likely solutions could be. This is how we would approach it. This is what we would do. So I, I think it's resonated. Like, uh, so far, so good. I 100%, mean, yeah. There, there's still a long list of articles I still have to write. <laughs> and, you know, things like The that's, Secret Door or yeah. Feature Wall or Built-ins or whatever. I mean, That's your second or your third job. That's what's uh, going on. You got the shop going on. You got the actual business going on. You got awareness now going on. Like, there's a lot of work involved. Seriously. You, you know there is, right? People embrace that. They love that, that you're giving all that passion up and sharing it. I, I just want to be straight up with people, like, as if I was talking to them this is what we would do. So I think I've had a positive response from clients where sometimes they'll say, you know, Hey, I, I read on your website how you do this. And you know, that gave me the confidence that you know what you're talking about. I mean, of course, to what we were talking about earlier, one could abuse that one could write articles about all kinds of shit that yep. they don't actually know what to do. Yeah. But I try to keep it to things that we actually have done, know how to do. And I think that just when, when a client reads that, they're like, okay, like this person just described my exact problem, how they would go about solving it. Like clearly this person knows what they're doing. Yeah. And then it just comes down to, do they want to pay what we charge or not? And maybe they do, maybe they don't. But I think by the time they get to their there's a good chance. Any other problems coming up that you haven't tackled yet? Or I guess that's something. There, there's always problems. There's I mean, something, anything coming up. Like, I guess, I guess a, noise, a nosy or a noisy um, bathroom fan. There's the leaking toilet is always one. A leaking faucet, a leaking sink. For sure. Uh, there's all kinds of problems. And then you get outside. And then we have harsh winters. Yep. So there's a lot of uh, people forget the hose bib. Yeah. So that bursts or whatever. But I mean, all kinds of little things that start happening around the house. Yeah. I mean, there's again, like sometimes things come up where it's a problem, but it's just not something I know how to fix. Sometimes, you know, sometimes I'll say I'll, I'll see the request. That's the other nice thing. If someone just called me on the phone and you're on the spot, your hands are covered in PL, <laughs> you're working on the space shuttle with all your PL, <laughs> you're, you're kind of on the spot trying to figure it out. But the nice thing is we have a chance to sort of breathe. Like we have the request in front of us. If it's something I'm not too sure about, I can go on YouTube. I'll spend a little time researching it. We now have an estimator working with us who was a, a former GC who nice. sort of slowed down a little bit. We have the luxury to sort of do a little bit of research and then see, okay, yes, we haven't done this before, but it looks like something that we could do. Let's try it. Or no, like, sorry, we can't do this. So I can see a lot of people that I know there's been a couple of times that I've gone see work like the, it started off as uh, you come highly recommended, come in, you build beautiful built ins, wondering if you could actually build a nice little library built in for here. Since you're here, mm -hmm. uh, can you fix this as well? Can th there's an issue here? There's an issue here in the back of my head. I'm like, 
okay, sure, I want the built-in job, but I don't necessarily want to do all that. And mm. if I start taking on all these little fix-it problems, then I'm going to be here forever. Yeah. And then I feel like there's a lot of us out there that would rather just give you a call and I'll take care of the library. I'll take care of the built-in. Yeah, you here, take, you do all the small and stuff. And you take care of all this stuff too. Totally. But I mean, that that's, that's where I think it actually could grow quite a bit because... The first thing that most established tradespeople do is like they'll just dismiss it. I don't yep. want that small job. I'm even getting dismissals from bigger jobs because they've already booked their year. So like, no, I'm already done, man. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, all right, no problem. Now is an opportunity to work with some new people now. That's how For I sure. look at it, right? So No, it's great. I mean, and, and as time goes by, I mean, I'll meet other tradespeople, other people who, hey, they're asked to... They're there building the built-ins, but hey, can you change this faucet? No, I don't really do that, but call call fix it friend. Yeah. They can they can take care of it for you. Um, what's the turnaround for you guys these days? Like from client so, request to yeah, book job? Yeah. These days around two weeks. That's not too bad. It's not too bad, yeah. No. I mean they've been waiting years as it is. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Sometimes the, the, the partner's been like, Yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. <laughs> exactly. Uh so usually around a couple of weeks. I mean, anywhere from week to weeks. But that's also back to where I want to hire someone because it's I know we're getting into the spring rush and I know that it's going there's to turn enough. into three weeks, four weeks. Yeah. And you don't be, want to do that to the clients. There's going to be tons of decks. Like here, take out these deck boards, fix this thing. Fix, like you mentioned, the harsh winters, like the, all kinds of stuff is going to come up. Yeah. And I feel bad when people have to wait. We book things like the dentist. So, hey, you get the first available appointment. If you want it, great. If you wait a week to get back to us, okay, that's going to be filled. You, you get the next one. We just take it like that. I love it, man. I yeah. love the business. I think it's I think it's going to explode even bigger and bigger, and you're going to have other problems to solve. Business problems. I hope so. Because, yeah, you're figuring out all the, the, the actual client problems already. Yeah, I know, I know it comes up often. Like, we talk about getting off the tools at some point. That's a struggle for me, uh, like a personal struggle, I would say. I got into this because I because like being mm. on the tools. I like doing the work. It's going to happen, though, It's going to happen, for like, sure. It has to happen, right? Like, I can't do this forever. It's not, it's not that you can't do it. It's just, I think you're going to want to put more attention into the shop and, and other projects that you yeah. want to do for yourself, where I think getting off the tools means getting on your personal projects. Yeah. So it gives you the opportunity to do that. and then But then it's also that I've got to find the right person to take over for me and what I'm doing, which is always a challenge in this industry. For sure. Yeah. I mean, anywhere from finding people with skills, finding people with skills and customer service skills, finding people who are reliable. And and yeah, like you said, finding like a Jeremy replacement and training them and everything, paying them enough so they'll stay, yep. giving them a great environment so they'll stay. The way I kind of hopefully see it happening is as I can bring on more people they can be doing a lot more of the jobs that I'm less interested in doing because yep. I've done them so many times. Yeah, I can teach them. I can tell them the pitfalls of, okay, mount the undermount sink like this, use this kind of glue, mount, you know, do this. And then they can just do it. And then, yeah, maybe I can focus on some of the more passion projects like building a built-in or a secret door that kind of stuff all the other stuff that comes up and even if it takes longer who cares it's so fun it's enjoyable you're in the shop or you're on site whatever you're doing like i can be freed up to do that kind of stuff 
is there a particular construction bone that you got to pick? Is anything coming up that's like, I wish it would change? Like, I wish it would get better? It really ticks me off just saying sloppy work. That's it, yeah. Uh, it was done on purpose. Like, just someone just didn't give a shit. Yeah. I don't really understand how someone could not have any basic sense of pride in their work where they would leave things in such a way that it just looks like a pile of crap, but it happens. Especially I see new it. stuff. Like you see completed stuff. Yeah. And you're like, this is finished. I don't like, they just literally finished it last week. And I'm like, this is finished. And you have to be careful what you say to clients about it too, because yeah. you know, they're sore that they paid a lot of money for something. Like I, I just, I did some grout repair in a shower that was sort of leaking in some areas. And I looked at the grout and like, I don't build showers. I've done some backsplashes. I've done a little bit of grouting. I know enough even from watching like two YouTube videos. That's not how it's supposed to look. Was there like it's, rocks in yeah, it? Yeah, rocks and it's <laughs> chunky and it's everything's uneven and it's like humps and everything. Mixed it with a knife. Like <laughs> a butter I, knife. I, I just don't get it. Like how could you... I, I don't know. Yeah. And you just you do it, it like and that? you just figure, okay, well, it'll, it'll pass. It'll, it'll, but why? It'll meet their expectations, I guess. I, I, and I think, like, even coming back to the beginning, like, I was always worried about being called out as a shoemaker at the beginning. Yeah. So yeah. I, I always tried to probably over-invest and over, not overdo it, but I was just extra careful that I wanted everything to be nice tight gaps on miters, just stuff like that. Like I knew from watching some YouTube videos, seeing people on IG, I knew what was possible. And for me to do it, yes, it would take me longer, but I just, I aspired to that. I, I wanted to do the best job I could. I wanted to look at it and be proud of it. And I knew, like, I'm very self-critical. So yeah. if it was, I mean, that can go the other way because sometimes it's, good it's quite good but ah, oh, what about that little thing what about that okay that's a different thing but i just always wanted to make sure that it was like nice i'm not trying to think what's the minimum i can do get in get out get in get out i was like that in school i was like oh what do i have to do to get a just a to 50 get the grade. Six, you know like a course <laughs> that you hate you're like fuck this what's the minimum i have to do yeah. to just whatever get out of this thing with this i love it so much i'm so passionate about it I want to make it the best I can. I want another, I want a homeowner or someone to show their friend, look at this great thing that Fix It Friend did. Isn't it great? And I don't want that friend to be like, oh, what about that? What about that? So I'll, I'll you be want a little them to just come in and just go, wow, he actually did a really good job. It's amazing. And most people don't see what we see. We are, another tradesperson is going to be way more critical, critical, yeah. savvy, yeah. look at the details. I still want to try the best I can. I, I, you know, I'm always trying to, if I'm going to do it, I want to do it well and I want to be able to do it better next time. That's like, where the passion drives instead of the price, right? Yeah. Like I, I agree. We try to charge enough to like give us enough time to do it well, still make money. Not everyone appreciates that. Not every, you know, some people just want quick and dirty, get it done, whatever. You see a drywall repair and you can see the mesh tape through it. Okay, fine. That's that's not how we do it, but fine. If they just wanted, technically the hole was covered. Yeah. It just looks like shit. That's so all it is, yeah. Like I was even in a basement recently, like just unfinished basement, couple ceiling repairs. 
yeah, I did a couple extra codes. Why? Because I want the client to look at that and be like, okay, if they did it that nice in a place where it doesn't matter, didn't even take me that much longer, they're going to, when it counts in my living room, in a place that's highly visible, Plus, they're going to do it well. You're there already. Exactly. You've, you've got the mud already. What the fuck? Another so just, coat, two yeah, coats, who cares? Uh, just mix up another small batch and just put it on, it Big dries, deal. it's done, and all of a sudden it actually looks seamless, like it never happened. Like it's supposed to. Like it, it never happened. Yeah, so, I love that. Something came up, uh, someone sent me a video of, um, there was uh, some work being done on a, on a street, a residential street. And the excavator was coming down the street, and there was two kids there with two toy dump trucks. And so they're just watching the real excavator and the real trucks, right? And they're in awe. Like, these children sure. are just as, as they should be, right? And all of a sudden, the excavator, he actually got a scoop of dirt, and he carefully put it on an angle, and he started filling their oh, dump trucks so right in front of their kids, right? And the kids are just in heaven. They're just loving it. And I'm like, that's going to stick with them. And then someone just said, what do you think of that? I was like, it's great. And then I just, I didn't want to be the cynic or anything like that. I just said, at what point did the parents tell the kids not to go into construction? Because I was just thinking about that. It just, it, because that happens. Yeah. Because you, you, every kid I know that sees a piece of construction machinery they're in awe, man. And like yep. for that one excavator to do what he did by filling it carefully, he did not, it didn't overflow the, the dump truck. He actually filled it really nicely, right? And I'm like going, so at what point did these kids grow up and the parents start saying, no, don't go into construction? If, I, if I'm allowed to have two bones to pick. Of course, totally. That, that, that is another one. Yeah. Like along with the university thing, parents telling their, parents sort of like creating an environment or feeding their kids sort of the lines of like, oh, you know, construction's down here and, you know, you want to go into finance and go to university and all this shit. Okay, I hope that's changing, but I don't know. And like even judging from some of the other podcasts where tradespeople are even telling their kids, no, don't become a tradesperson. Yeah, that happens too. So I don't know. Like no one in my family said, don't become a tradesperson. But there was like a strong, not stick, there wasn't a stigma against tradespeople. It was just, no, like this is what you want to aspire to. I wish that parents could encourage their kids to aspire to being in construction because it's natural. Like we are cave people. It's true. Like building things, blocks, Lego, whatever. It's natural. Like kids just do it. And it, is it mostly because parents and also tradespeople, because I've met them that don't want their children to go into construction. Is it because they think construction's at the bottom or is it because they think that construction has a plateau and you're never going to make any more money than a social media influencer, a finance person, a lawyer, a doctor, whatever, right? Is it both those folds or is the parents thinking, well, when we get older, we want you to be totally self-sustained and not have an issue with money. We don't want you to have your dirty hands all the time. Like I, I'm trying to figure out, is it a balance of all of that? Is that I, what's going I, on? I think you're right. I think it is a balance. I think also everyone's experience is different. So I think the tradesperson who's been in construction for a while, nothing against them. Maybe they were just a solo tradesperson. Maybe they did things in a certain way that they didn't have a Jessica. They didn't yeah. have systems. Yeah. They it had a certain set of experiences. So maybe for them, they say, you know what? This is a hard life. 
I want you to have an easier life than I had. I struggled, this happened, that happened. These clients didn't pay me, whatever, shit happens. The parents, I think, who know nothing about construction, okay, they may have ideas about some sort of a social hierarchy or they may have some assumption that, oh, being a lawyer or doctor or having some sort of a stable job is better, but even the sort of being self-employed, whether you're in construction or something else versus having a job. And I think it's come up with the mortgages before with other podcasts. Yeah. We have hundreds of people who pay us. If we lose one person who fucking cares, Yeah. like, yes, I love the clients, whatever. But if one decides not to pay fine, you're at some stable job making your, whatever you make, it's only going to go up so much doing whatever you do like there's a yep. plateau with that too exactly well one person decides to say no i'm not paying you anymore bye bye here's your two weeks notice you're fucked yeah you're in a tailspin we're walked out so a- so i think i think it also depends like there's parents who are self-employed and maybe they've had a harder time or an easier time i mean there's all there's all kinds of people but with construction i just think they don't know the people getting into it don't know. They don't know. I mean, okay, now there's social media. People can see. Yes, there's a lot of bullshit. Yes, there's a lot of people saying, hey, look at me, whatever. Look at this new tool. But if you follow certain people like TC Installations, yeah, that guy has a fucking amazing time. He's loving <laughs> Sorry, no, he's, he's loving life. Yes. He's doing I was really high-end work. I was just going to go, like, what about the happiness associated it's amazing. with your living? It's and, amazing. And you can see guys like Tony, and you can see guys like Gary. You can, For from sure. Mares, you can see other people that are on social. And I think that they post more happiness than the hardships. It's the industry's tough. We all have our struggles. Exactly. We all have our struggles. But if you can take those struggles and make them happiness, man, I think that's a lot more valuable than a six figure job in an office environment. I don't know how many happy people are there at that moment. Like I was it was funny. I was having a conversation with people uh, with someone and, and about how there's so many segments of industries, different occupations that have such high suicide rates. Because of the occupation. And that's something that's not really heard of in construction. Mm-hmm. I don't think of that like that being a you associate construction with suicide. Or I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but I'm just saying compared to lawyers and dentists and accountants. Yeah, you hear that with dentists. Oh, man. I, I, like you're staring into someone's mouth 24, like all the time. And I'm like, okay, fine, great. I've heard it with lawyers and dentists mostly. That high suicide rates. And I'm like, okay, so you're not happy. Construction, I think makes the general population of people in this industry happy. Yeah. It does. Like exactly what you just said. Sure, there's those times that you're going to get screwed over. You're going to lose money. You're go- that you're- could happen in any industry. In any industry, though. exactly. But the thing is, you still have a love and a happiness and a passion. And that's what I think drives you, man. And you want to share that. It's exciting. I mean, like, I, I think to think about being a lawyer or being a dentist oh. or something like that, like, I don't know those jobs. I've never done those jobs, but I kind of picture them as you're doing a lot of the same thing. It's variations on a theme. Okay. Yes. Maybe they make a lot of money, but like at what cost? Yeah. Like you're reviewing documents every day. If you fucking love reviewing documents, By all means. writing contracts, and that is your thing. Enjoy. Your creativity <laughs> is 
writing the most creative contract. <laughs> Great. Like that, that's cool. But I think with construction, I think the great thing is there's always problems to solve. There's always new things. There's always new challenges. You're dealing with people. You're dealing with stuff, different environments. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I at least for me, I can't think of anything that would be better. I agree. I agree with you. I'm still trying to figure out the greatest problem of all in this industry is getting more youth in there. And that goes to what we were just talking about. It's, it's very challenging where I, I look at my dad's generation. I look at the generation that came immigrated into this country from the 60s and 70s and 80s and even to the 90s. They built huge empires from construction, from being starting off as a laborer mm-hmm. to being a bricklayer to framer or whatever, to be the foreman, to being the owner of the business. To, and they, they provided for their kids. And they didn't have small families. They had big families. Yep. So it wasn't one or two kids that needed to go to college or university. It was uh, five kids that needed to go. And then all of a sudden, five kids needed cars. And five kids needed to get married. Mm-hmm. And a lot of old school Europeans had the daughters. And it was like, they have to be proud. And, and you know, I'm paying for the wedding. And mm-hmm. that wedding was paid for by construction. Yep. And you, there's a lot of respect in that. But it's, I guess today with the youth, you're fighting that battle where everyone could be a TikToker. Everyone can do this and you can make a lot more money doing that. But if that's your passion, great. But I think that there's still huge opportunities in construction. Huge. Yeah. So, I mean, how do we think about the cap? Like, like why do we think people view construction as having such a cap? Is it because we can only work so many hours, we can only charge so much per hour, we can only make so much in a year unless we grow our companies. I think what happens is, okay, so what happened your first year in construction? Oh, I lost money. So you lost money, but the thing is that how many ideas did you have? Like you were constantly replenishing the idea cart. You Mm. know what I'm saying? So you're problem solving constantly. You're figuring out this, you're figuring out that. And eventually the loss of money became a gain of money. Right. I think at some point in your construction career, you stop the flow of creative ideas. Mm. Just and punch so, the clock. Exactly. And then what happens is you're not contributing to trying to move that ceiling. You're not trying to get more. And, and we all know this. In the first year of construction, it takes you X amount of time to do a patch, to fix it, whatever. Sure. Fifth year of construction, you blink your eye and it's done. Yeah. So it's I think that you're missing opportunities as people in the industry to look at how efficient you've gotten, how much more efficient you can make it, have more time for other things, and then build the business even further. Maybe get a second wind and look at the business and go, why aren't I looking at the business the same way I looked at it when I got started, when I was proud mm-hmm. of my first business card, my first website, my first social page, my first post. Why aren't I looking at it like that anymore? That's what maybe you should be. It's like a stale be. relationship. Exactly. So it's like, if it's done, then done, get out. But if it's not done and you still have happiness and passion, then by all means, man, feed it, put it in there, right? And yeah. then, then it'll grow. And all of a sudden you'll be surprised. It might actually grow. Or even like, what are the odds of you figuring out to do a building and get all these different creative people together. Oh, I never thought, like, I never even conceived But you don't know where that's going to take you now. You don't know where that might, the opportunity. So it's like, that's where the communal construction idea comes from. Everybody wants to add to that. So I think people think of a plateau because they're telling themselves to think a plateau. I think if you just break the ceiling, demo the ceiling, your business can still make more money. I guess with tradespeople too, I mean, some people want to just work by themselves, yeah. do their thing. Yeah. 
get in, get out. I don't know, maybe they're a plumber, whatever they are. They, they do their trade. They make a lot per hour. They do the thing. Some people are more, okay, I, I want to like grow this business. I want to hire a whole ton of people. I'm probably somewhere in between. I really like being by myself, I've realized. I really like working by <laughs> There's myself. There's times, yeah, you're like, oh. Put the earphones Serenity in, now, serenity now. Just zone into the work, like <laughs> yeah. solve problems, like figure things out. I think another problem is that, and even something that, you know, I, I think I ran into recently with this other gentleman who was working with me. Everyone wants to be up at the top immediately. Quickly. Quickly. Like, that's what I see. After a few months, yeah, okay, you're going to go open your own business. Fine, do it. If that's what you want to do, go ahead. It's not going to be easy. No. Even getting any jobs, then getting good jobs, getting good clients, being able to filter, having any sort of system where you're not just like on the phone and working and trying to, you know, oh yeah, I'll be there on whatever. I, I just don't see it. Like, at least for me, I couldn't make it work that way. I don't know. Like, I, I think it's a shame when people, maybe especially like younger people, like the prior generation of mine, like 20 somethings, they see all this stuff online. They see people being successful or whatever and filter, filter, fine. The, and they either have an expectation of themselves or they, they think, oh, it's easy. I'm just going to do this and this and this. And, it's fine. It's not to say someone in their 20s can't start an amazing business and do great things. And like we know there are examples. And I'm completely humbled sure. by those people because sure. they are 10 years younger than me and they are 10 times further than me, let's say, in business. But I don't know. I, I just think it would be better. And, and I, probably, I probably went through this too when I was younger, when I first left university. You know, you're supposed to apprentice as an engineer for four years. Part of it was I just didn't like the work. I just couldn't bring myself to spend four years doing that. But I think for someone to spend a year, two years, even two years working with someone who actually knows what they're doing, actually has systems, is accomplished, has good ideas, can teach them a lot of things. You spend two years with someone, like you're in a much better place yep. to go on your own. Yep. So if you have like a little bit of patience, play a little bit of the long game. I, I think you've mentioned before, there's like pay for the work, but then there's also pay in experience yeah. and learning. Someone who's been in this for a long time, and I don't even put myself in that realm, but someone who really knows what they're doing, like. If you could work under Tony at TC yep. or Gary, yep. the amount of shit that you would learn in even a year or two I, years. I just stopped by for espresso so we could just have a conversation. Just fucking, like yeah. you say, just fucking be a sponge. Yeah. Ask questions. Like, I think most people, myself included, I will completely tell anyone who wants to know how Fix It Friend runs, how it runs. I will give them the keys to the castle. I will tell them all the software we use, exactly how we do it. If they can take that and they want to replicate it, good for them. Please That's, do. Please do. Make it better. Make it better. Yeah. Exactly. Teach me something. Yeah. Like there's no secrets. There's no like, there's nothing proprietary or special about what I did. 
and I think back to what we were saying even earlier, like coming from the engineering, let's call it world or the whatever office professional world, I thought that, okay, construction as a whole, unfortunately, doesn't always have a good reputation as far as, oh, you hear people don't show up yeah. or people say they're going to do a job, then they don't, or they never get back to me or they never follow through. I never got the estimate, all that kind of shit. So I kind of told myself, okay, all I have to do is do the basics well, show up, do what I say I'm going to do, do a good job. Even if it takes me longer, who cares? Do a nice job, leave nice work. That's like a calling card, you know, that'll generate word of mouth. Like clients will tell other clients, ask them to leave a nice review on Google, wash, rinse, repeat. That is it. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think we do anything that's super special. Yeah, it's fun to talk about the custom projects. It's fun to talk about, you know, some of the small nuances of what we do. But like, we're not doing rocket science here. We're not working on the space shuttle. I know. We're just, <laughs> we're just like fixing things and just being a nice human to another person who's a little bit vulnerable. They're, yep. They, you know, they sometimes feel a bit weird about having a stranger there and meeting a new person and, you know, they're uncomfortable. And but just, that person might be the person that takes that idea to another level. For sure. And so it's a missed opportunity. And it, it gets me thinking about how all the trades that are in this industry, I think, are missing huge opportunities because they're the professional of that segment. Right. So when I got started in the business, I took what I was what I learned in advertising and film and I started knocking on doors to speak to certain executives. And I just basically went through the Kevin Bacon. I spoke to a sales rep. Sales rep introduced me to a national rep. National rep introduced me to two top executives. And I still to this day, I have mobile numbers of the top executives of all these big companies that we work with that we use their products. And I think that a lot of tradespeople, plumbers, HVACs, bricklayers, carpenters, everybody, you guys are there all the time working. You guys are the ones that are coming up with new ideas, new tricks. Why not reach out to these industries and go, listen, I've got an idea for a better flapper. I've got an idea for a better this or that, a hinge, a shelf, anything. And monetize those ideas, those opportunities with these brands. And guess what? You just took your business to a different level now. And Powder coating a linear drain. Well, remember that one? Fuck. It, it just... It just got released by Schluter at the end of last year. Okay, and how I, many years? And like, I, I, that was five or six years. And I asked him, how'd you guys do it? He goes, oh, we powder coated. Okay. <laughs> but like, the, but these, that's how I thought about it, right? And I joke and I still joke with them going, listen, where's the royalty check? Where's the, I, yeah, don't, yeah. I don't care because I want the course, ideas out there. Of course. But that's, that's exactly it. So now everybody's asking for black linear drains and they're doing it, which is great. But I've had plenty of conversations with Kohler about that. I've had conversations with about TGIs and, and, and like I just... I want to keep on doing that. But I think as the professional trades in this business, you guys are handling these things all the time. Yep. And you guys are figuring it out. There was one time I over-reefed a thread for a specific body spray. And I ended up stripping the breast, right? And I was like, I don't how the hell am I? I can't, like, I can't get oh, in there. tiled and everything. Oh, just, it was a nightmare. Fuck. I was like, this is ridiculous. I started visualizing I'm going to have to rip apart the tile to get in, all this other shit. I call my plumber up and he comes in and he pulls out this tool 
that looked like it belonged to the first group of Neanderthals. And I was like, what the hell is that thing for? And he does it. And in two seconds, figured it out. Is it the thing? It goes in the and it expands. Stuff? Oh, that's so smart! I, like, I mean, like, where's this tool from? So Seriously, it's it's an amazing tool. And he goes, watch this, and he just put it in, and he started threading it out. And I was like, dude, what? Like, what is that? Someone had that problem. Someone came up with that solution. Someone presented it to a manufacturer, and now someone's sitting on a beach making a lot of money as a result of that. Yeah, and I think that's tradespeople find that passion again and get rid of that ceiling and come up with what could better your industry, your trade, and you'll never know what might happen as a result of that. Couldn't agree more. I mean, I think one of the challenges, like running a small business, like for anyone, especially when you're on the tools, you're in the day-to-day, you're dealing with clients, you're dealing with a million fucking things to sort of set aside the time to reach out to those people. What I I mean, you family, your friends, and all this shit. So. But, but I think it would be great if if companies reached out to more tradespeople, if there were, you know, groups of HVAC people that were like, yeah, this is, this is a problem. You need to make a tool that does this. Yep. It's easy for these companies. Just here's the idea. Do Th- this. Think about the circle that you're going to create. Yeah. You actually are increasing the usage and the industry for the tradespeople, and now you as a manufacturer is gonna be the first one launching this and getting it out there, and everybody else is gonna copy you. How many people have copied Schluter? Sure. You know what I mean? So it's like everybody is gonna copy you, but you're first to market, so most likely you're gonna get priority regarding usage, right? Yep. But I think that's that's where the missed opportunities from the brands as well is, but I think, like you said, most of the trades, they're in their day-to-day, but I think that's why it's important. At some point, you gotta tell yourself, Get off the tools mm. and start focusing on where else can I find happiness and passion? And if it's contributing back to the industry and I come up with this product or I came up with this idea and I worked with a brand as a result of that, then do it, man. For sure. Not just a bullshit influencer like, oh, hey, here's a shiny tool. Hey, look at me using this for There's the no first benefit time. to that. I shot three nails and yeah. oh, oh it, shoots, it shoots them really good. Yeah, okay. It's great. You're a journalist and you can share all that stuff, sure. which is great. It's fine. You can but make what about money. the product development? Yeah. Like coming up with how it feels, how it how it's weighted, like yeah. all those kinds of things. Oh, there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I joke about uh, Fast and the Furious 20 years ago. That changed the whole car yeah. and customization as much as you think it's a joke, you watch that movie today and it's a little dated, but the stuff that they were presenting influenced the industry. Yeah. Why can't construction do that now? I'm sure like Tony, Gary, all these other guys that are out there, Fabio and everybody else, they're probably outfitting their vans a certain way that van shelving companies that are just doing strictly metal shelving, just yep. generic looking, should be thinking, hang on a sec, why can't we see and see customized your van's a specific shape, a Sprinter van, specific shape. Yep. Everything is interchangeable. Just go listen. What are you? Okay, so you're a Finnish guy? Okay, all right. Oh, wait, you're a plumber? Oh, okay. And you use packouts or exactly. you use whatever. And you connect them. You interchange it with all. All of a sudden, now you've got a whole industry that For you sure. just created. Because everybody I know that gets a van, what's the first thing we do? We go buy sheet goods and we sit down and we try to figure out Fucking what Fucking we- spend three weekends <laughs> designing and build. I've rebuilt it several I, times. I know. And it takes I a lot I would rather of- just pay the money. Yeah. Get it. I need I need a, this row and I need this row and I need this for my tools and for my screws and for my whatever. Yeah, but when you look at what's available, it's like, oh, we can give you 
two shelves on each side. It's fucking bullshit. You can't even put tools in that. So there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of opportunity that still hasn't been tapped into. For I sure. Think. And I, I encourage all the young, old, middle, all of them, just figure out, man, make, build a better sandbox, man. Yeah, like a van upfitting company specifically for tradespeople. Yeah. You, for sure. Like, first of all, we're not even talking just about Canada here. Yeah. The amount of vans that are in Europe, the amount of vans that it's the number one vehicle in, in the U.S. as well, too. It's the number one for sure, by all means, like Renault, they all have vans there. It's sure. not just about sprinters, right? But the thing is, yeah, this missed opportunities, man. So, all right, Jeremy, this this has been great, man. I, just, I love that we went on this other tangent. Yeah, I still got sure. the, the 12 questions. But, okay. yeah, Jeremy Ross, Fix It Friend. Everyone check it out. www.fix-it-friend.com. Uh, Jeremy at fix it that dash friend.com and on social media at fix it friend. Yeah. Why'd you have to put all the dashes on uh, the email or that's there's a, uh, uh, there's a website squatter. Got it. And at the beginning I wasn't willing to spend, you know, several thousand dollars to buy the website, but I don't know, probably, probably at this point we should, Yeah. we should try to, the, the dashes are kind of annoying. It's but. fine. You put it in there. At least you got the social So they weren't savvy enough to get the social media then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jessica nabbed that one. That's fine. And then man. the other business, the hub to that's, that's right. Yeah. yeah. www.thehubto.com. Yeah. yeah. I just started following that cause you mentioned nice. it to me. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, well, I got to check that out. It's totally Appreciate cool, man. It. So everyone check that out. That's yeah. really cool. Dude, this has been a pleasure. Likewise. I yeah. know that we've been chatting forever to yeah. get you on the show and everybody's busy, but we finally, I just came across the DMS again. I was going, wait a minute, man. I got to meet this guy and I got to sit it's down great. and I got to talk to him, right? So you ready for the 12 questions? I'm ready. What is your favorite construction word? I, I mean, I guess fuck is more the... <laughs> That's been the go-to lately. Yeah. <laughs> what is your least favorite construction word? Out of budget. Mm. What turns you on in construction? Plum, square, level, symmetry, just nicely executed work. Effort. Totally. <laughs> what turns you off in construction? Yeah, just people who don't give a shit. People who do yeah. sloppy work and yeah. What is your favorite curse word or phrase? Fucking piece of shit. <laughs> what is your favorite vehicle? Anything in the world? I'm in like I'm into dirt bikes. I used to own a dirt bike. Nice. Uh, I used to ride on the road too, but what what dirt bike? Uh, I mean, I've I've mainly ridden Hondas. I had a Honda, nice. but like. I just love riding on like tight single track. You can't think about your problems. You're just worried about not hitting a tree. You're just like weaving through tight stuff. It clears it's, your head. It clears man. your head. It's it's very physical. People yeah. think, oh, it's got a motor. You're not doing anything. Muscling that bike around turns, and you know you're standing up, you're sitting down. It's just it's just really fun. Nice. Uh, what's your least favorite vehicle? Motor scooters. I had a pretty bad accident <laughs> on one on vacation one oh, time, really, yeah? and I still have the scars. And I just, uh, I just, I can't do it. Man. Either a real motorcycle or did nothing. you have a, did you have a lid on at least? No, it was oh, stupid. Oh, oh, oh. Wearing Birkenstocks and no lid. It was really bad. Lesson learned. I, I didn't hit my head that I know of. But Lesson learned, yeah, it was man. Bad. Uh, what construction sound or noise do you love? I love when things just fit together. Also. The sound of a MIG welder. When you set up a MIG welder yeah. and you hear that like crackle, sizzle, like like bacon frying. Yeah. It's it's just like you know it's set up correctly. You know kind of the weld you're laying down is gonna be it's gonna be good. Nice. 
what construction uh, sound or noise do you hate? A lot of sounds are just extra loud. So I'm I'm always wearing like earphones, earplugs, whatever. It's even get, like a table saw. It's just too much. You're getting up there. I'm getting up there. I'm noticing like uh, sounds are sensitive these days, man. I mean, my wife tells me I'm losing my hearing. It, it might be a little bit selective. I, I don't really know. <laughs> well, spend a day uh, or two looking for it. That's yeah, yeah, all. I'll, I'll That's take all a you look. could I'll do. Uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt one day? Archaeologist or the people who dive for like wrecked ships mm. uh when i was a kid i remember you know back when we you know used to have vhs yeah uh i remember taking this national geographic vhs documentary about the titanic out from the library a few times i was just fascinated it just seemed so cool so i think it would be fun to try that discovering on discovering those worlds yeah, yeah like when i can get off the tools and get some breathing space like you know to do that for fun or That's as cool. a hobby or vacation or something what profession would you not like to do i mean anything in an office office anything suit and tie like yeah, i just yeah. i can't fucking do it <laughs> <laughs> last question if heaven exists what would you like to hear god say when you arrive at the pearly gates here are the tools, here are the materials, <laughs> build whatever you want. <laughs> I love it, man. Yeah. Jeremy, so glad to meet you, man. Yeah, Thanks you so too, much Manny. for being I on really the show. It. Thank Honestly, you. everybody check him out on Instagram, uh, Fix It Friend, and also the website, Fix It Dash, 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 Dash. Everyone knows it, but you'll get it. It's Just look up Fix It Friend. Exactly. Just Fix it and you get it, right? Yeah. So, and anybody, and I encourage all the tradespeople that are listening, man, if there's ever scope of work that comes along, for sure. give Jeremy a call, man. We're Just into it. Get into it, for sure. Yeah, we'll work with other tradespeople designers builders whatever that's Doesn't awesome matter. man yeah. i really appreciate you taking the time on a I, Saturday morning. i appreciate morning. you having me no it's thanks great to be jeremy here. all Thank right you. thanks we're out of here thank you yeah. so much take it easy